Welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Robin Waite about how he helps companies grow and scale. Robin is a founder of Fearless Business, speaker, podcast host, and best-selling author of five books, including Online Business Startup and Take Your Shot. As the founder of Fearless Business, Robin helps coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs to slow down, create space, and confidently charge their worth. And he goes this through offering insights on product architecture, pricing your products, and sales. Welcome, Robin. Oh, thank you, Virginia. Well, that's, a, that's an awesome introduction. So I'm, I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Can't wait to go. Yeah, I'm excited too. Definitely a lot to pick your brain about. <laughs> pick away. I'm, I'm ready. Oh, sweet. So first off, how'd you get started on the entrepreneurial? Well, it was it was a bit of an accident, actually. So I, I had a number of side hustles when I was going through sort of the latter parts of school and when I went to university, including I had a, I had a full-time job whilst I was studying from the age of about 18 up to 20, 21, 22. But my boss at the time wasn't paying me enough money. So I, I started off doing sort of side hustles. And one of them was buying and selling laptops. This was back at um, the start of the millennium, so sort of year 2000-ish. And these were specialist laptops for construction sites that used to sell for about five or six thousand uh, pounds sterling so that'd have been what eight nine thousand dollars and so really really specialist products and eventually that just became my full-time thing and then all of a sudden the, the bubble burst with those um with those laptops i think a container came over from china with loads of these laptops on it and the, the prices just dropped and i had to find something else to do so so i ended up running a marketing agency for 12 years for my sins and just got completely like bought into the whole sort of entrepreneurial thing growing a business having a team and all that side of it and haven't looked back so i've, I've pretty much been running businesses now for close to two decades and i think i'm probably unemployable if i ever had to go and get a proper job <laughs> right aren't most of us in this space <laughs> I think um, most entrepreneurs aren't, are, aren't they? <laughs> they just, right? kind of, and we do it on purpose. We just sever the cord. So we can't go back to it. It could never go back to gainful employment. Yeah, only one way. <laughs> <laughs> so you help your clients be able to like determine more of their pricing points and stuff like that then. Is that kind of like a main one that you see your avatar, your ideal clients kind of making? Yeah, I mean, it's um, so I've been coaching now for five years. And what happened was we during the last couple of years of the agency days, we innovated quite strongly. So we we actually I mean, we were doing like very run of the mill hourly rate type work, building websites, and doing branding design for people. So but what we did is we introduced these one day workshops to do both of them, which were like interactive workshops, we brought the clients in and they had a really great experience. And we got amazing results doing those workshops. And as a result of that, people started to say, well, hang on, how have you stopped charging like hourly rates? And now you've got these fantastic products. So our, our process now is actually helping other business owners who are on, on, you know, going through that similar sort of journey who are charging hourly rates and they want to productize their service so that they're, they start to rather than charging for their time, which as we know is like, it's, it's a scarce resource, but so people massively undersell themselves. It's like every time you sell an hour of your time for 50 bucks, it's like you're selling a piece of your soul to the person who's just, you know, you've just sold it to. So mm-hmm. what we do is we, we kind of help them just to, to rethink their offer so that they, you know, they're focused much more heavily on selling results and outcomes. And when they manage to get over, over that hump, it's a very quick transition. So we've seen people sort of double or treble their income, you know, their past their previous hourly rates in as little as sort of four to six weeks. And, and mostly what it comes down to though is that people charge hourly rates because they're, they're 
small numbers. Like it's much easier to sell an hour for $50 than it is to sell, say, for example, a big product for $5,000. A lot of people are very fearful of that saying those large numbers so a lot of the work we do it you know it's 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 not it's not about um it's mostly about mindset and confidence more than anything else and so when you get those when you can show somebody kind of how how they can articulate their value better around the offer that they sell then it's just about kind of giving them a bit of a, a boost in terms of their confidence and remind them that they're actually worth more and there, there's a kind of there's a simple process kind of behind that i mean i don't know how how detailed you want me to kind of go into this virginia but probably i'll, I'll be quiet there and then you can ask me some questions and we can see which direction we go you can get detail i don't mind but my one thought was it's a lot easier when you charge like a, a big product package aspect too because then if you're because if you charge hourly then sometimes the product goes larger or longer than what you thought and then the, again you're still charging the big number yeah I was going to say I, I could give you a couple of examples actually so like I'm, I'm going to go back to my sort of web design days here uh, you know and this is this is the journey which we went through so I'm going to give you three three examples of different web design packages that you could buy okay so Steve comes along and he he says oh Virginia I'll build you a website and it's gonna it's gonna cost you 50 bucks an hour and I reckon it'll take me about 20 hours so you agree and he goes off and does the work and then he comes back and you he shows you his website and and Virginia says oh hang on Steve you said you were going to build a blog and a shopping cart where are those and he says oh well oh sorry i must have forgotten about those i'll add them on but it's going to take about another 10 hours and you've got to pay for it and you're like hang on a second you agreed it was going to be a thousand dollars not fifteen hundred dollars so now you reach i mean most people are ethical moral upstanding human beings they wouldn't just they, they would just do the work for the price that you agreed and carry on but now Steve's getting a bit resentful virginia's a bit annoyed because she thought she was going to get a product and now, now it all gets a bit icky and we don't like that that's scenario number one. Scenario number two is that we now we meet Dave. Okay, Dave. Dave is a brilliant web designer. He's been doing it for years, but he doesn't know what Robin or Virginia knows about pricing, right? So Dave goes and delivers this website, and you know, within a week, it probably only took him about ten hours. But he's he's charging the same as what Steve was charging, like fifty bucks an hour. And but his websites are brilliant. They look really good because he's been he's been doing this for ages. They get really great results. So they generate 15 or 20 leads a month for his clients, like pretty much guaranteed. But yet he only charged like 10 hours for it. So he gets paid, like, despite the fact he's better, he gets paid less than Steve, who is less experienced and like delivers a, a substandard product. So already you can see the hourly rates is just like a charging by the hour is just like a fundamentally flawed, like model for charging it just doesn't work but then we've got trisha right trisha is a website ninja she comes into the scene and she's like listen i can get this thing knocked out of the park in 24 hours it'll look brilliant it'll get picked up on google and i tell you what i'm so confident that we can get you 20 leads a month within the first 30 days that if we can't do that i'll give you your money back and i'll pay you a thousand dollars for wasting your time now virginia you've got to ask me how much is trisha's websites how much is her website so trisha's websites are 10k but she comes with a guarantee. If she's not generating you those leads, she's going to refund you and give you $1,000 for wasting your time. So all of a sudden, you've got a very different sort of value articulation there. And yes, it's a much bigger number. In fact, it's, it's you know, 10 times what the other two are charging. But she's that confident in her ability to deliver that product, that end result to you, yeah. that she's willing to put her money where her mouth is. And also, like, Trish has been able to become a ninja at this because she doesn't need all of the clients. When business owners undercharge and undersell themselves, they need so many more clients that they end up in what I call the sales cycle of doom. So they're going sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. And then they get burnt out or they go on holiday. So we stop selling, we stop delivering, stop earning money. And then a week later, 
deep breath, you know, we feel better or we come back from holiday, deep breath and off we go again, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. And we just go around in this circle. But when you charge more money, all of a sudden you have more time to deliver a better quality product, which produces more money on the back end. And you get better, like you're more, you, you get better refer, referred clients. You know, you, you get better reviews and recommendations, you know, Google reviews and LinkedIn recommendations and things like that. So actually you become more attractive to people. And therefore, you know, as we know, when demand starts to outstrip supply, you can command whatever price point, you know, you deem is, is fit for the service you're offering. It doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people mistake the fact they can just go out and charge triple what they're charging and automatically they fill up their order book. It doesn't work quite like that. You kind of, it's it's a bit like you kind of have to just build, you know, a staircase to get up to that big, hairy, audacious goal of charging five or 10 times what you're currently charging. And it's interesting too, hey, like, because like having that bigger price point, And like you said, like you can pick and choose your clients, then you're not, let's say, as desperate to try to get to sell every single client that comes across the table, right? Yeah, that's it. And and imagine if, um, I mean, take something like, I don't know, say a personal trainer, okay, a fitness trainer, and maybe he's promising to help you to drop a dress size before your wedding or something like that, you know, and imagine it's kind of like, he, he, he thinks, well, yeah, if we work together, we can probably do it, you know, like over 12 sessions over six weeks or something like that. I reckon we could probably get you there. But for, for whatever, you know, for whatever reason, life gets in the way and you haven't quite achieved it. Imagine being able to get to the end of that, that initial sort of piece of work. And the, the train, the person trainer just turns around and says, well, Hey, listen, we agreed to get the results. So don't worry. We'll do an extra few sessions and they're on me. You don't have to pay any extra for it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's 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 because then the price is anchored to that that result or that outcome. And you know, the 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 customer at the client at that point is probably like, wow, this is amazing. So I get extra sessions and it's all included. It's like, yes, because I want to get you that result. And it it's much more genuine. It, it's not, there's nothing sneaky or nefarious or persuasive or anything like that. It's not about profiteering. You don't charge more just because you want to make more profit. That's a bonus. I always say that you know money is a is a, is a byproduct of a job well done. Like if you actually do your business, run your business well, and you help and serve people and you do a fantastic job of it, you're, you're going to earn a good living off the back of that. Like money shouldn't be the reason you're running a business in the first place. You need a much bigger why for sure. Business entrepreneurs that you help with their pricing and stuff like that. Like what's, who are your ideal clients with that? Yeah, so we we work with a lot of service client businesses, basically. So anybody selling us uh, some kind of a service typically charging that sort of hourly rate or time for money. Our our niche is tighter than that though. So we specialize in working with other coaches and consultants and freelancers. So, and and the reason I've chosen those niches is because they're they're three sort of service sectors, which I've I've worked in and know very well. And that kind of gives me a bit of an an insight into the sorts of businesses and problems that those those businesses are solving. You know, I could could probably should tighten up the niche. And if you speak to marketing experts and gurus and stuff like that, they'll say that my niche isn't tight enough. But the thing is what I do, I do very well. And I would say, you know, there's actually three different types of niche. And I think this is one of the most common mistakes in business. People, when they think about a niche, they think about an ideal client, a market niche. Okay. Now I'm not knocking that. That's obviously important, but I think having a product niche is more important than a market niche. So having a product which solves a specific problem, because again, I could, I could do, there's all sorts of stuff that I could do, whether it's, I do it particularly well or not, it's a different matter, but I ran a marketing agency for 12 years. I could help my clients with marketing, but I've chosen not to do that because there's plenty of marketing experts out there actually now who can do it better than me. You know, I have, I have Jess on my team who started working for me with me in the last six months and she knows more about 
Instagram and Facebook and all of this stuff than I, you know, I ever, I, I ever knew because she's kind of grown up with it. She's, she's young, you know, in her twenties and she kind of gets it. It's second nature to her. So that's why I think you can have your market niche and that'll get you so far. But if you have a product niche that solves a really specific, one really specific problem for a client, like we've got, so we've got our coaches, consultants, freelancers, but we help them to charge more. And then you can move into your pricing niche. So that's what we kind of talked about earlier on. You know, when you've got those two niches sorted out first, you can start to command a higher price. You can be the most expensive in the market. And that's the point when people look at you and they go, wow, he's expensive. He must be good. It's interesting how people equate that, right? Because it's like, oh, you don't charge very much. You must not be very good. <laughs> well, it's a bit like, I mean, imagine this. Imagine, like, it's very capitalistic, what I'm about to say, but um, take it with a pinch of salt. Take a Ferrari, for example. How much would you pay for a Ferrari? I don't know. <laughs> have, a, have, a, have a stab. What, would, what do you think you'd pay? What I would pay or what they go for? Well, what they go for. Um, this is like 75 that hundred thousand, I don't know, seven hundred and fifty thousand. That's the proper yeah, word. Like, like <laughs> serious, serious six figures, don't they? They're expensive, right? So, in, yeah. but imagine if I, um, I don't know what the exchange rate is from sterling into into Canadian dollars, but if I told you I had one for ten thousand pounds, which I think is about fifteen thousand US, what would you think? What's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, immediately, the, the assumption is what's wrong with it, right? And I, I kid you not, there's one on, I, I, had, I only know this because I just had a quick, I was doing a talk earlier on and I had a look on eBay and there's one on there for £10,000. It's, I'm not convinced it's got an engine. All of the windows were missing. It's got fire damage and most of the panels are like, you know, have dents in them. Okay. <laughs> so you could buy a Ferrari for 10 grand, but there's going to be problems with it. And I think, so people make that assumption. Yeah, yeah, it's really odd because the modern era of things like Facebook, for example, the amount of times business owners will, and, and all of your listeners will have experienced this if they have businesses, businesses, they'll get text messages or they'll get WhatsApp messages or Facebook messages saying, hey, I love what you're doing. How much does it cost? And they've got no extra information about like, you know, how your process works, whether you're good at what you do or anything like that. They're literally shopping around just on price to find the cheapest. Right. Yet if you ask them, would you buy a cheap Ferrari that's like a tenth of the price of a normal Ferrari? They'd say no, because what's wrong with it? So why don't people take the same approach when they're buying a service from a business? Right. Either that or they're like, oh, well, can I get a discount? And you're like, really? <laughs> Yeah. And you know, d discounts are, um, discounts are so destructive for businesses as well. Like people don't realize this. So, uh, so we've got a, an organization here in the UK called the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. Sounds incredibly exciting, doesn't it? And <laughs> so I know the chairman, he lives locally to me. So hence the reason why I know some of these stats, because we've had lots of conversations, you know, we're, we're numbers geeks in slightly different ways. And he, he pointed out to me that most people assume that if you offer a 10, just a 10% discount, they assume that you've got to sell 10% more of the same product in order to make the same profit. But actually, that's not the case because as, as the money falls down through your accounts, through your profit and loss accounts, there's this compounding effect which happens when money gets spent. Okay. So the reality is when you offer a 10% discount, you actually have to sell 25% more of the same thing to get the same net profit on the bottom line. So, you know, like, discounts are so destructive to your, your bottom line to profit. There's a, a famous quote, a famous saying, you know, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash is king. And the two most important ones at the end of the day is, is are you making profit? Do you have cash in the bank? If you don't have either of those, then your business isn't going to last particularly long because you've got nothing there to be able to reinvest and actually grow your business. And, and the, the reality is like, 
most people are, are offering discounts. They don't just real, they don't realize it. They don't call it a discount because they're massively undercharging in the first place. So effectively they've discounted themselves, just they just don't know it. That's all. It's amazing how much that small discount adds up in the long run. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I mean, look, look at it this way. Imagine, imagine if a business was, and I, if, if people are kind of listening to this, maybe thinking, oh God, he's talking about numbers, like they're finding it a bit boring perhaps or something like that. I, again, when, when, when I hear business owners say things like, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not good with numbers. I'm like, you run a business, you have to be good with numbers. It's the same as you've got to be good with sales and marketing. And you've got every aspect of a business you have to take ownership of. But another, just a very simple way to kind of explain it is if, if when you have a conversation with your accountant and he turns around and he says, your net profit this year was 10%. So imagine then you offer a 10% discount on the top. That 10% profit you get on the bottom is immediately wiped out. It's gone. So you make no money. The reason people don't notice they're not making that money is because they'll offer a discount to one person, but not somebody else. So they have cash flowing into their business and the, the, the bit of the cash that was discounted just kind of gets absorbed with all of the other cash that's flowing around in the business. So this is, this is why like most businesses don't have a cash flow problem. Okay. There's money flowing into the business and it's flowing straight back out again. And normally it's like all the money goes in, all the money goes out, or, you know, we're literally living hand to mouth in order to whatever money comes in, we pay ourselves. So there's never any profit or money to reinvest in the business. So there's no, there isn't really a cash flow problem. There's actually two problems happening. One is making more money. And the second problem is keeping it. And actually it's the keeping it, which is the, that's where you start to get into the psychology behind why business owners struggle to make more profit and live a really abundant, like have a really abundant, prosperous business. Because there's always this underlying core belief in a lot of people that they're just not worth it. So therefore it's easier just to let that money go. It's easier for to, we'll let it come in, but we'll just let it go as well because we don't deserve it. So we don't pay it to ourselves. Like if you think about it, 99% of people aren't fortunate enough when they're born to be born with a silver spoon in their mouth or to have a trust fund or loads of like loads of wealth, you know, when they're young, their parents will have said things like, oh, you can't have those trainers, those sneakers because they're too expensive. We can't go on holiday this year because we can't afford it. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all evil. And actually that's misquoted, by the way. If you actually read the quote in the Bible, it's very subtly different to that. Uh, people look at things like Ferraris and they think, oh, that's grotesque. That person must be, a, you know, oh, oh, good for them that, you know, they've got their money and their wealth and they see it as like this ugly thing. And actually, and, that, and that's programmed into us by the age of seven. So we now have this core belief that we've built up, that's been programmed into us by our parents who are trying to do the right thing by us to, to protect us and tell us that money's a bad thing. But actually, when we start a business, that money blueprint isn't useful as an adult or as a business owner. And so we have to, a lot of the work which I do, for example, is about just giving people the, the belief that one, they are brilliant at what they do. They get amazing results for their clients. Their clients absolutely love what they do and they are worth more. And it, and it takes a long time because you're, if for many people, you're undoing 10, 20, 30 years worth of programming and belief you know, negative belief around money and, and wealth and, and value. And so that, and you know, it's incredibly enlightening when you see the kind of the penny drop and all of a sudden it clicks with people and they're like, ah, I get it. And, and, you know, it's actually really simple as well to, we go through a process basically where we essentially, once we've kind of got somebody to a point where they're, where they're like, yeah, I am worth it. I am worth more. The next step is then we've, now we've created an assumption that we could charge more. So now we've got to go out and validate that assumption. So it's, it, this is all very like 
numbers based it's very it's a very actually logical process which we take people through so when we've agreed what the the new price is for their product that they can take out into the world and sell this product for we just encourage them to go and pitch it to the next 10 people at that new price and invariably they come back and they say robin you never guess what like i've sold it to somebody at the new price i can't believe it i can't believe how easy it was but the thing that they were fighting up against up to that point was just this single belief that they weren't worth it. And it's, it's just, so, it's brilliant to watch because you can just see their world change, like not just, not just mentally, but physically as well in terms of what they're able to do, do with, you know, this new power, which they've got. It's so good for their self-confidence. It's literally all about self-confidence. What do you do to get in front of your ideal clients? I believe in marketing assets. So you mentioned in the introduction about the books, which I've, I've written. That's probably one of the, the best ways to get in front of clients. Now, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by marketing assets. Most people get mixed up with marketing as marketing activity. So marketing activity is things like going onto Twitter, like dropping a Twitter update, a Facebook status update, uh, doing, doing all the stuff that the gurus and experts tell you to do like day in and day out. But the trouble is you drop a tweet and it's gone within seconds. You put something on Facebook and it disappears off the feed like within minutes. So those aren't assets, they just disappear. So what what I, I like to think of assets as something which lives on the internet and stands, it's, it's a digital asset, it stands the test of time. So podcast interviews, whether it's your own podcast or guesting on them, YouTube videos, blog articles, writing books, Google reviews, that's another amazing marketing asset. So for me, we get our clients just through content marketing, building these amazing assets that just kind of people then can consume in their own time and it builds trust. And if anybody's interested, there's like a Pareto rule, which we apply around this. So 80-20. So we recommend that you should spend 80% of your time and or money building remarkable marketing assets that solve a really meaningful problem for a client. And then 20% of your time or budget market through marketing as- activity to market those assets. It works really well for us. It's, it's for the last five years, we've not struggled with leads. So do you have any, what are a couple of some of your big goals that you have with your business in the next couple of years? I'm still on the journey of my first big goal with my business, actually. And that was to, so my agency, we got to about £250,000 turnover. So I always, and I had a team of a slightly dysfunctional team of four people working with me. And, but my, <laughs> my, my goal was with the coaching practice was to get to 250K in a faster amount of time and with fewer people. So it was more, more of an agile business and it was more of a lifestyle business. So I think this year we're going to be doing something around about 180, 200K. So we're well on route to do that in about half the time, which I'm quite proud proud of long term you know i'd love to hit sort of 300,000 turnover and then the next goal beyond that probably you know probably our seven seven years into the business seven eight years into the business i'd love to be hitting sort of a million pounds a year turnover and that's not about the money by the way i should add i know my whole what i've been talking a lot about is it's about pricing has been about money but it's not about the money the money is the more significant thing within that is is the impact that i've created so i know how many people i will have worked with to to create a million pounds a year turnover. I know how many coaches I'll have in my team that having this ripple effect, this impact with all of the people that we work with. And also a a major part of what we, what Fearless is about is about giving back. So we partnered up with a charity called Four Ocean. And every time we enroll a client, we make quite a significant donation to Four Ocean, which is helping to remove plastic from the ocean, basically. And that's something which is quite, quite close to my heart as a surfer and being in the sea and swimming around lots of plastic and junk. It's, it means a lot to me. So it's not about the money. It's about the impact. And it's nice that you're not focusing on the money aspect, right? Like it's one thing that you had mentioned earlier as well. If you have yeah. to why. That's it. It's it's money is a byproduct of a job well done. 
you know, so if, yeah. if I'm making an impact, if I'm helping people grow their businesses, helping them to, I think we have now, I think eight fearless babies that have been born in the five years that we've been, you know, running the coaching program. We, a number of our clients, they've been able to buy houses that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to afford. They've got offers, which otherwise they might not have had. Maybe their husbands or wives or partners have been able to give up their job in order to come and work for, within the business and it turns into a family business. So there's, there's all these really nice sort of knock-on impacts of the work which we do. And, and that's much more important to me. And I, I always say to people, like, I, would, I would always run rather be poor, homeless and destitute than take on a client that I shouldn't be working with. Because if I've taken them on to put food on my table and pay for my mortgage, then I've taken them on for the wrong reasons. Because it's not about me, it's about the clients. What do you feel is like the number one roadblock from stopping you from reaching your goals there? Ah, that's a great question. Gosh. Do you know what? One of, one of the biggest challenges which I have found is not necessarily finding the right people. But gosh, I, you, you've, you're going to get me to open up here a little bit, but I think this is helpful. Okay. I, I'm very much an introvert, believe it or not. And I struggle, I struggle with the process of managing people. Okay. So I can, I can stand up and I can talk in front of people. I can inspire them. I can write books and you know, jump onto podcasts and things like that. When it, when it comes to I wouldn't say that I'm a natural born leader, if that makes sense. So hiring people and actually getting them through that first three to six months and getting them clear on what it is that they're supposed to be doing without them maybe getting bored in the role or misunderstanding what it is they're supposed to be doing. That's always been the greatest challenge for me. And I'm pleased to say, actually, so I mentioned Jess, actually, who I brought on. So she's kind of like, and we have a team of coaches, but they all run their coaching practices and they just kind of consult within what we do. Jess is my first full-time employee within Fearless Business. And so she's had to go through this journey with me. And you know, I had to just really slow myself down and not try and rush the process of like enrolling her and actually it was like it was a massive change and I think I kind of had to go through this painful process for the last sort of 15 years to be able to learn and understand how to get the most out of an employee well that's good I'm glad you're able to get to where you wanted to on that journey it was a mentor actually who pointed it out to me it's like why would you hire somebody to then look over their shoulder and watch the job that they're doing because then you've got two people doing the same job and that doesn't make sense and I was like ah yeah and he just said like get them on board with the story, the journey, like what's the vision for the business, tell them kind of like roughly what it is that you want them to do and then let them just let them at it. And it's, it's been really nice because Jess, Jess has properly challenged me in terms of like, she's, you know, she'll actually stand up to me and just say, Robin, you don't need to be doing it that way anymore. This is a better way to do it. And I'm like, ah, right. Okay. So I just switch my ears on. It's like, it's that simple, but I had to slow the process right down to do that. Yeah. And then you had to be humble enough to listen too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And the stuff that I've been doing for years, not wrong. I, you know, you do the best, you, you do the best you can with the knowledge that you've got and the, the tools that you've got, you know, at your disposal. So I, I don't think I was, I wouldn't ever say I was doing anything wrong, but then Jess is just like, there's better ways to do it, you know, so let's try it my way. And it's just about being open-minded, I think. And totally key to growth in all aspects of life, like having that open mind. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's weird because in in other aspects of my life, I'd like to say that I am sort of pretty open minded. I try lots of different things, you know. But yeah, the the business, I I don't know why, but I was very locked into like a specific way of doing it. I, again, it's hindsight, isn't it? You know, I I look back now with that piece of an ins- when I left the agency, and I, we probably don't have time to go into the full story there. But I, I ended up selling the agency, and actually with hindsight. 
I wish I'd kept it. It was only the fact that I had that team of four people that I was struggling to manage that I ended up selling it. So with with hindsight, I would have kept hold of it, but had much more of a business owner attitude than a business doer and being ingrained in the business. Which is huge for some entrepreneurs, like as, as their team grows and everything like that, and even their income, like they have to shift roles in their business. And it's hard for some of them to shift with it. And there was also a thing about space as well. Like I, I for 12 years, like I, I beasted myself in that business. I worked so hard. And then part, part of it was the char- the kid inside me throwing the toys out of the pram when it was, all felt like it was going wrong. But what ended up happening was I had three, when I, after selling the agency, three months where I did nothing and I just had time to think and sort of process everything. And it wasn't until I stopped and had that time to think that actually things started to kind of piece together quite nicely. Well, I have really enjoyed our interview, but we are unfortunately running out of a little bit of time. Is there anything that you would like to leave with us that I haven't asked you yet? No, I, well, I'll leave you with a, a little anecdote, which um, again was one of the most profound uh, messages that I got left with completely by accident. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a keen cycler. I'm one of those really an- uh, annoying cyclists who wears, you know, lycra and clogs up the roads at the weekends, you know, on a Sunday. They, they call us weekend warriors here in the UK. Uh, when I, but when I first got into cycling, my brother had built me this like steel bike that was super heavy, it had a triple speed on it. And I was just so slow. It was like really hard work. About like seven or eight rides in, I was going up this local hill and I was going about four miles an hour. I probably would have been quicker just getting off the bike and pushing it up the hill, quite <laughs> frankly. But this this guy comes whizzing past, you know, kind of like how I am I am now, the Lycra and the carbon bike and just, you know, you look at it and she's like, wow. He went whizzing past and I shouted at the road. I went, oh, mate, you're looking at you're making that look easy. And he shouted something back and I didn't hear it. And I said, like, oh, what, what, what? And I shouted at the road. But there's a really big community in cycling. So he actually waited at the top of the hill for me when he got and he waited ages because it took me a long time to get up there. <laughs> and and we were chatting for ages. And then he said, do you know what? That thing you, you shouted to me as I went past you, he said, it never gets any easier. You just go faster. And I was oh. like, oh, that that one quote could apply to so many different, you know, things in life that you get stuck into and like certainly with business but I don't believe that business ever necessarily gets any easier you just get better at it you go a little bit faster you get more done you get more efficient you build systems you build processes you bring people into the business and they do stuff you don't like doing so it, it never really gets any easier and it's like every time you think you've cracked it like you're just reaching the next level which has a whole different set of problems that you've got to fix so <laughs> so yeah that that quote has stuck by me for forever I love it my husband likes cycling too, so you guys would have fun on the roads. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Where can people go to learn out, learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I love to lead with a gift. So my book, Take Your Shot, I'm offering to, to anyone listening. If you if you go to fearless.biz forward slash TYS for Take Your Shot, you can pop your details in there and you'll get access to a free copy of the book. Now, if you have UK listeners, then I will post a signed copy of it. If anybody overseas outside the UK wants a signed copy of it, you just have to find some kind of ethical bribe to send to me and then I'll pop it in the post. But aside from that, you'll get a PDF, which you can read straight away as well. So uh, that's my little gift, fearless.biz forward slash T-Y-S. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I, you, you probably gathered I could probably talk for hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we'll have to have you back. <laughs> oh, that, that would be lovely. I'd love that. That would be great. Awesome. Well, sounds like a plan. Enjoy the rest of your day. Will do. You too, Virginia. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.